We continue our long agada, uh, uh, continuing with uh, the theme of Shimshon. Uh, we're going to talk a lot about Yehuda and Tamar, and also um, a few other figures from Tanakh. So regarding Shimshon, it says, Shimshon's parents were told before he was born that he will begin to be a savior of Israel. So the term Yachel literally means to begin, but here the Midrash is taking it as to um, undo a vow, like to make it to make it whole, uh, to to make it not holy anymore. Uh, it's talking about the vow that Avimelech made with Avraham, where Avimelech says, "Im tishkorli, if you deal false with me and my children, right, according to the kindness that I did you, you should do to me." Avimelech, who's Melech Pilishtim, makes a peace treaty with Avraham. So for all that time, the peace treaty held, and therefore uh, they did not uh, et- attack each other. However, during the time of Shimshon, uh, the Pilish team came and persecuted Israel in a more serious way than ever before, and therefore the peace treaty is off, and that gave uh, Shimshon the right to go and fight against them. So then, after Shimshon is born, it says he grew up, and God blessed him. In what way did he bless him? Amarav Yehuda, Amarav, Sheberecho be'amato, Amato kibne adam bezaro, kenahal shotef, that he was blessed in his reproductive organ, that it was like that of an adult, and a seed uh, flowed from it like a river. We'll see more about that in a second. Shimshon prays to Hashem after he's taken captive and his eyes are gouged out and says, Hashem, please help me just this one more time. And this is when he brings down the pillars upon everybody and himself. Amar Rav, Amar Shimshon, Rifne HaKadosh Baruch Hu, Libonor Shel Olam, Zechor Li Asrim Ushtaim Shana, Sheshafatti Et Yisrael, Velo Amarti Lechad Mehem Haaver Li Makel, Mimakom Lemakom. So what does it mean here when Shimshon says, Remember uh, about me? Remember what? He wants Hashem, he's asking Hashem to remember that for 22 years he was a judge over Israel, he was a ruler, and he never asked a favor or anything from anyone, not not monetarily, he never even asked someone to, can you move that stick from here to there for me? He never did it. Um, did anything for receiving personal reward. Okay, the 22 here is curious because in Tanakh it says he ruled for 20 years, not 22. Uh, the commentaries say maybe he was two for two years in jail, even though he so he was still the ruler, even though he was uh, in in uh, in jail of the Pilish team. Uh, earlier in the narrative, Shimshon caught 300 foxes, took torches, and torched their tails so that they would run crazy all over the place with their tails on fire and spread fire throughout the fields of the Pilishtim. So why did Shimshon do that? 
sounds like a really brilliant way of uh, spreading the fire very fast. That seems to be why he did it. But, so, but even more than that, there's symbolic meaning that I'm going to take the animal that goes in reverse foxes, they are known to uh, try to escape, they would they will go in a zigzag way to get away from their prey and sometimes even doubling, bla- doubling back. And so this fox that goes backwards um, will come and bring the punishment to Pelishtim because they renege on their vow, the one that Avimelech made to Avraham. So this is a deserving punishment. Midah keneged midah. Tanya Amar Bishimon He Hasid Ben Ketefav Shir Shimon Shimshon Shishim Amahayash Nemar Vaishkab Shimshon Ad Chasi Halayla Vayakom Bachasi Halayla Vayachos Bedartot Shad Ha'ir Bishteh Mezuzot Vayisayim Aim Haberiach Vayasem Al Ketefav Ugmiri Then Dartot Azah Pechutot Mishishim Amah So there's a Rabbi Shimon HaChasid teaches that between the shoulders of Shimshon there were 60 cubits. He was very broad-shouldered He's like a hundred feet wide um, by his shoulders. How do we know that? Because when he was in Aza, I said uh, he slept, he woke up in the middle of the night and he held on to the doors of the gates of the city um, by their two door, side posts and he took them and uh, pulled them up and put them on his shoulders, right, and carried them up to the top of the mountain. So, and we know that the, the gates of, the, of, uh, of Gaza were uh, not less than 60 cubits wide. So how was he able to reach and carry these gates on his shoulders? It must be that his shoulders also were 60 cubits wide. So uh, he was tochen, literally that the Pilishtim brought him to the uh, the uh, jailhouse, um, and they and he was grinding there. So literally means he was actually doing physical manual labor grinding. He was a strong person, so he'd be able to grind a lot. Uh, but Rabbi Yochanan says, no, this is not the, 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 uh, the, uh, 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 this is not the meaning, but rather techina means sin, uh, uh, means bi'ah. Um, and, and it says that similarly in Iyov, titchan le'acher ishti, let my wife grind unto another man. So we learn, we're taking this pasuk in Iyov, and we're going to bring it into the story of uh, Shimshon to teach that each and every person, husband of the Pelishtim, would bring his wife to the jailhouse so that his wife could become pregnant from Shimshon. He had good genes, he was very strong, he was the most popular donor, everybody wanted to have a son like Shimshon. So that's what it means that he was grinding there in the jailhouse. And this is a folk saying that people say, for a wine drinker, bring wine. Before one who digs in the ground, bring, bring, bring figs. Uh, so someone that, that's uh, used to doing something or good at doing something, let him do, let him do more. Shimshon married a pilishti, so let him keep going. And uh, this relates to what we saw before, that his seed is like flowing. Here we're going to see the context of that pasuk we, we just read and made reference to in the Yob, 
uh, to teach that anyone who commits adultery, his wife will also commit adultery. Um, you know, once uh, one partner uh, is unfaithful, then that will affect the marriage and uh, uh, cause the other one to be as well. How do we know this from Iov? Iov is declaring his innocence, how he was perfect, and said, right, if I, my heart have ever has ever enticed me unto a woman, and I've been with, uh, at wait at my neighbor's door, meaning if I ever was unfaithful, then let my wife also, right, grind with another and uh, strangers kneel over her, right? He, the Yeo's point is, uh, is that he is righteous. I never did that, and so I would make a promise um, to that effect, right, that if I should have done that, this terrible thing should come, come upon me. Um, but this is what we, where we learn uh, that this is a kind of midah keneged midah, the way one treats one's spouse, so he will be treated. And this is a common folk saying that people say, the husband likes pumpkins, the wife likes zucchinis, uh, using a metaphor of each one is doing their own thing that they like. If you see one person, uh, one spouse not being faithful, it's likely that the other is also. Shimshon judged the people of Israel like their, their father in heaven. In other words, he did a good job. And uh, in administrating justice, as the pasuk says regarding the blessing to Dan um, by Yaakov at his deathbed, it says that Dan will judge his people right as one of the tribes. probably means here like Hakadosh Baruch Hu, who is one. B'yochanan says further praise about Shimshon that he's named after God because regarding God it says that God is a son and a shield, uh, 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 a son and a shield. So Shimshon, his name has Shemesh in it, and Hashem is also compared to the sun, in that it oversees and oversees everything in the world. Um, uh, so, well, in that case, it, it should not be erased. Maybe just like you can't erase Hashem's name, and this is one of his names, so you can't erase the word Shimshon or the word Shemesh. This is, no, it's like his name. It's not actually his name. It's just similar uh, in the sense that just like HaKadosh Baruch Hu, protects the whole world, so too Shimshon protected Israel in, during his generation. We mentioned Bil'am that he got Midah Kenegid Midah, and so within this series of statements by Rabbi Yochanan, we mentioned that Bil'am was lame in one of his legs um, because he went away limping. He was called, you know, depressed and sad. So says Shefi. Uh, Shimshon, however, was uh, was lame in both legs, because it says back in the blessing to Dan in, in Bereshit, Shefi Fon, which we're taking as a doubling of Shefi, and so therefore he was doubly lame. Okay, so um, uh, that's uh, the the teachings about Shimshon. We see he's a oh, there's still more to come, right? We see what a complex character he is. 
He had many good qualities, but many problematic qualities as well. Tenora banan, chamishan ebreu me'ayin dugma shel ma'ala v'cholan nakubahen shimshon b'kocho sha'u b'savarov shon b'sa'aro sidkiyah b'aynav asa b'raglav. These five people that had uh, um, a, a, an amazing qual- uh, 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 character trait that was like uh, like that of heaven. Right? They were they were great in some way, but because of that very character trait, they were stricken because of it. Uh, kind of another principle of you know, the greater the, the greater they are, the harder they fall. So Shimshon, who was blessed with strength, that was also that brought his downfall. Shaul, in his uh, in his stature, um, his neck, he was literally he was taller than everybody, and that gave him a lot of uh, confidence, and everybody followed him. Uh, of Shalom, with his hair, Sidkiyah, his eyes, and Asa, his feet, as and we will explain each one. Shimshon bekocho shnema dichtiv vayasar kocho me'alav. Shimshon was granted great strength, and um, it's when his strength left him, then he was vulnerable and he was caught. Shaul besavro dichtiv vaykach Shaul etached vaypol aleha. Shaul um, was uh, was great and tall, uh, head tall, and everybody, but in his in the end. Um, he had to he had to kill himself so that the enemies would not come and kill him, and so he took his own sword and fell on it. And fell on it means through his neck, so that having that tall neck uh, ended up being a part of his downfall. Absalom we'll talk about uh, more soon um, with his hair. He was hung by his hair. Uh, with his eyes, that's when he was caught by the Babylonians. They uh, blinded him in front, uh, in front of his children, and so that the last thing he ever saw, uh, they blinded him. Uh, first they killed his children in front of him, then they blinded him. So the last thing he ever saw was his children being murdered. Uh, um, Asa, king, um, uh, he, uh, uh, he, in his old age, he had a disease of the feet. So what, what was that? Rav explains, it was gout. So they, they asked Rav Nachman, what does it, it feel like to have, to have gout? It's like needles in living flesh. And the question is, how did Rav Nachman know that? There's three opinions. Either that he himself had it, and so he knew how it felt, or he learned this as a tradition from his teachers, or this is a secret that Hashem revealed to him. We saw uh, this uh, same three, uh, three opinions uh, earlier, so it seems to be like a, a stock um, a series that is applied here and there. Darash Rava mipnei man enash asa mipnei shasa an gadiya betamideh chachamim shenemar vamelech asa hishmiat kol Yehuda en naki. So uh, why was Asa punished with his feet? What did he do wrong? Uh, because he made a, he, he in, in, imposed forced labor. He imposed forced labor on uh, the entire nation, including the sage, the Torah scholars who were sitting and studying Torah. How do we know this? Because it says Asa uh, sent a, uh, a proclamation throughout all of Yehuda 
naki, there was no one exempt from it. No one exempt, right? Not even those studying. My naki, even a groom. And a, and a bride from the canopy, right, where it says, Naki yelebeto, that for one year he has to, he has no other obligations and he stays home from war. Um, but Assad didn't care about that and even took a groom, uh, a groom, uh, from after his, his wedding day and even Torah scholars, so he didn't exempt anyone. And this is a problem, right? You have to have exemptions. You have even have exemptions for war, so certainly you should have exemptions for forced labor. So the, the place Timnata that we talked about already about Shimshon, um, and that's where that's where he saw he fell in love with this uh, woman, this Pelishti woman, that uh, was was a problem. Well, Timna is also a place where uh, Tamar was. Um, and uh, she was told, hey, your father-in-law, that's Yehuda, is coming to Timna. That's how she knew she was coming, and she dressed up as a zona. So the Gemara is noticing that regarding Shimshon, it says, Shimshon went down to Timna. But regarding Yehuda, it says, Yehuda went up to Timna. Well, which one is it? Is it a low place or a high place? So the Biel Azar says a very insightful thing that, um, uh, it has, has to do with the context. It's a moral rising or falling. Shimshon, who did something wrong by going and marrying this, uh, this Pilishti woman. So that's a, that's a downfall for him. Therefore, it says Yerida. But Yehuda, although at, uh, at that moment he thought it was a zona, but it ended up being for good. Um, so, cause he admitted to it and, uh, and out came, uh, from, you know, from them came the Davidic dynasty and all that. So for them, for him, it was, it was a good thing. So we say that's an aliyah. Okay. Truth is for Shimshon also, as we noted before, um, this, uh, he had to do this. This was, uh, this was a divine plan so that he, they would have a pretext to go and fight the Pilishtim. Um, but, uh, still that was a little bit more far off, at least in the, in the, in the case of Yehuda. Tamar was plan, was actually planning it. So in Tamar's, um, uh, mind, at least this was a positive. She knew, at least that it was a positive thing. Okay. Or another answer. No, there's two places called Timna. Who said it's the same city? Right. One of them is, uh, is high up and one of them is low down. The papa says, no, there's only one place called Timna, and it depends on which way you're coming. If you come from one, uh, one side, it's a descent. If you come from the other direction, then you have to go up to it. Right? It's kind of like in the middle of a, a mountain. And uh, there's other places also that have the same, uh, the same topographical, topographical uh, character. Now, Petach Enaim, we never heard of a place called Enaim, Petach Enaim. So, what is this place? Alexandria says um, that she went to the opening of Abraham, of Abraham Avinu's tent, a place where everybody, um, all their eyes are, are, are hoped to see it. Everybody wants to come to Abraham's tent. 
And so that's where she went, because it's a place that everybody passes by. That's why Abraham put his tent there, so that the guests would come. No, it is a place. And you see on Yoshua, there's a place called Ayanam. Um, and even though the pronunciation is a bit different, but uh, the uh, the consonants are pretty much the same. So Ayanam, so she went to that. There is a place called Ayanam, and she went to the opening of it. Or another explanation of what it means um, that she went to Petach Enaim. It means that she looked into the statements that she was going to say. She had foresight to answer uh, questions that uh, Yehuda was going to ask. All right, Yehuda was uh, just going to take any zona. Um, he asked her a number of questions. Uh, maybe you're not Jewish. She said, no, I'm a convert. And he said, maybe you're married. And he said, no, she said, no, I'm single. He says, maybe you are married, but you don't know about it because when you're uh, as a, a minor, your father accepted Kiddushin on your behalf. She said, no, I'm an orphan. I don't have a father. And he says, maybe you are in a state of impurity. She says, no, I am pure. So she knew how to had to say the right answers, so she had foresight. Now, since we mentioned Avraham, uh, Avraham uh, planted, it says planted a, uh, a tent, uh, no, uh, rather a tree in Be'er Shaba. So what is this tree that he's planting? So he literally planted an orchard and uh, all kinds of uh, fantastic things, and that's what he would use to serve his guests. Uh, we see this subject to a machloket. Uh, one of these sages says it was a pardes, and another says he uh, he built an inn. Now, since it says the word planted, fine, that makes sense if he planted an orchard. But if it was an inn, do you plant an inn? And the answer is yes. In Sefer Daniel, it says he planted the tent of his palace. So you see that you can plant a, a place to live. You can still use the term planting like pitching a tent. Oh, good. Avraham uh, then called there in God's name. Rishakish is a brilliant play on words. Not that Abraham is standing there calling and saying, right, uh, Hashem, Elohim, teaching, you know, like, um, like the, the people on the subway that are trying to, uh, uh, to uh, uh, fill your ear uh, with their teachings and nobody's listening. Rather, Abraham did something better. Vayakri, he caused others to call upon Hashem in the name Yud Kevavke. How did he do that? He caused um, the Hashem's holy name to be uh, said in the, in, the, in the mouth of everyone who passes by. So Abraham would invite people in, and they would eat and drink and uh, have a wonderful meal, and they, then they would get up, and of course these were polite people, so they would bless their host. 
and say thank you. And so Abraham said, what, you didn't eat from my food? Did you eat from my food? You ate from the food of the creator of the whole, of the whole earth. And so therefore, and then he would teach them about it, right? This is how it works, monotheism and Hashem and all that. And then they would uh, listen to that and they themselves would call in Hashem's name. And so um, this is a, a much better way to do care of work uh, to feed the people. Back to Yehuda, he saw, Yehuda saw uh, Tamar and thought that she was a zona because she covered her face. What? Because he, she covered her face? She thought well, she was a zona? We figure, you know, zona usually don't cover their faces. Um, and uh, it's a, 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 a modest people cover, cover their faces. So what does that mean? No, it means that she had covered her face when she was living in Yehuda's home, when she was married to his son. And so because she always covered her face at home, that's why Yehuda didn't know what she looked like. And that's why when he saw her at the, uh, um, on the road, he did not recognize her. So Yochanan says, any bride who is uh, modest in her in-law's house will have a merit that kings and prophets will come from her. How do we see that? That says Yeshaya, uh, who was a Navi, was the son of Amoz. And kings we know from David. So the Davidic dynasty all come from Yehuda and Tamar. And we have a tradition that Amoz and Amasya, uh, Amasya, a king, and Amoz, the father of Yeshaya, were brothers. And if they were brothers, then that means that Yeshaya also was a descendant of the Davidic dynasty from Yehuda and Tamar. He muset, he mit to set me ba'ele. Okay, eventually it says she was found or she was brought forth. And instead of using, the Torah says the word muset, which is ambiguous. It could also mean that she found. So it should have made it clearer and says she was found or she was brought before. She was caught, right, and brought before Yehuda um, because she was single and she was pregnant. And so they brought it to Yehuda saying, oh, look, right, she... Uh, she sinned. Oh, so the reason why it says she found is because these uh, signs that she had, right, the uh, staff and the uh, um, and and the tassels and the signet ring of Yehuda that he gave to her. Uh, so until he would come and pay her, she had them, meaning she found them. But uh, after, uh, after they were found, Samael came and took them away, distanced them from her. Why? Samael, the evil angel, did not want uh, uh, Tamar to have ch- children. He did not want her to survive because if she didn't survive, she would not have babies and then, uh, Yehud, and then uh, the Davidic dynasty would not have been born. So he was interested in doing that. But Gabriel went and he found them again and brought them back to her. So now she had them. So that's why it says Muset, she found, means the signs. 
and uh, the uh, the uh, uh, opening of the Mizmor 56 uh, alludes to this as well. When the, the, these signs were distanced from her, she was like a mute dove, like she had nothing to say, she had no proof, and she couldn't do anything. She was really stuck. We take as two words put together, referring to David, who was, um, who was uh, fl- uh, uh, modest, and flawless for to everyone. Or others say that his wound was perfect. His wound referring to his brit milah, that he was born already mahul. And others say, or interpret the word, to teach that just as when he was young, he made himself small and modest to learn Torah from someone who was greater than him, so too, even when he became great, he was modest, mach, and tam, uh, 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 all of his life, to learn and humble himself in front of a, before a Torah teacher who was greater than him. Um, so then Tamar, when she was uh, about to be, uh, about to be uh, burnt um, for, for becoming pregnant while, while uh, single, um, so she says, she sent and said to her father-in-law and said to, um, to, to, to whoever who belongs, these signs, right, that is the father of the Memar. Now, why did she say it in a roundabout way, right? Why didn't she say, you are the one, right? It was you. You're the one that found me uh, when I dressed up as a zona. Why is she saying it only in a, uh, in a suggestive way that whoever, to whomever belongs, the staff, Okay, we have a, a lot of uh, names to this. That means that this was a very important tradition and was repeated a lot. So there are many, many tradents that said this. It's better that a person should throw himself into a fiery furnace and not humiliate someone else in public. And here we're taking this exactly literally uh, because Tamar's sentence was that she would be burnt um, if she were found guilty and she would rather go and be burnt rather than humiliate uh, Yehuda in public. If she said, you're the one, right? And then everybody would say, you know, imagine the courthouse, right? And everybody uh, uh, can't believe it and he'd be so embarrassed in front of everybody. So you see, she would rather be burnt that's why she said it. That's why she said it in a hint, so that he would know, and then he would decide himself if he wanted to reveal himself. We learn this from Tamar. Okay, she said, right? Look and see this, right? To who? To who? To who belongs? To whom belongs? The signet, the cords, and the staff. So this phrase "haker is familiar. This word "haker" was also used by Yehuda when he uh, went to his father with the bloody cloak, cloak of Yosef and said, "Do you recognize this, Dad?" 
Um, and obviously the, the father did. Um, Yehudad uh, was, uh, uh, was, uh, uh, was tricking his father, right? Really, they're the ones that um, almost killed and sold Yosef and used the word haker to uh, make their father think that, the, that Yosef was, uh, was killed violently. And so Yehuda, because he did that, midah keneged midah, now he, this was said to, to him, and he had to own up to this sin that he had made. Na, en na ela leshon bakasha. Amra le bebakasha memecha. Hakel pene boracha. Ve'al ta'alim enecha mimenni. So na always means a request. Um, and here uh, Tamar said to Yehuda, Please, right? Recognize your creator. Uh, recognize, do, do the right thing before your God knows the truth and do not um, avert your eyes from me. So um, when uh, when he uh, rec- when he admitted the truth, right? We see we saw that his greatness uh, came out, and uh, this is what uh, Rabbi Shimon Chasida says: uh, Yosef, when he made a Shem Shamaim in in private by uh, uh, by uh, not agreeing to commit adultery with the wife of Potiphar, so he had the merit that he had a, a letter added to his name, um, as it says in Tehillim: Edut bi Yosef. Right, it adds a hair to the word to the to word Yosef, and so too Yehuda shekidesh Shem Shemayim beFarhesia zachav nekra kulo al shemoshet lakadosh baruchu Yehuda Yosef did that in private. Yehuda this did this in public, right? And he he publicly allowed himself to be shamed and made a kiddush Hashem, and so his name is entirely the name of Hashem, right? Yehuda, all all the letters are the name name of Hashem Himself. And uh, although this was his name bef- even when he was born, right, this is a fitting name for him. Once Yehuda admitted and said, she is right, I am in the wrong. Um, so Abat Kol said, you saved Tamar and her two children who were not yet born in the womb um, uh, from, the, uh, from the fire. So you know what? I'm going to save three of your descendants also from fire. That's referring to Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah who were thrown into the fire and they were saved. How did Yehuda know that she was right and that he was in fact the father that he uh, uh, admitted so readily? And the answer is that this uh, Abatkol came out and said, Mimeni, Mimeni is referring to not Yehuda, but rather Hashem saying that this outcome came from me, these hidden things right now or that are now revealed. In other words, this was all a divine plan uh, that Tamar should be the mother of royalty. And uh, so, again, kind of like Shim- Shimshon, uh, who did something wrong by taking this uh, Pilishti woman, but in the end, right, this was from, from Hashem. There it says so in the Pasuk, uh, 
um, and uh, the outcome ended up being good, uh, so to here. Uh, we're going to see yet another example also with um, uh, the brothers of Yosef and having to go down to Egypt. Okay. Okay. So the pasuk and the pashat says uh, that uh, afterwards Yehuda knew Tamar no more. Right. That's it. It was a uh, uh, one time to have a child. And then, that's it, she has a child, so they were not together again. However, uh, these rabbis say that once he knew her, he did not stop from being with her. In other words, they became fully married, kind of like um, uh, the way Yibum works, right? Yibum is not only, it, the, the purpose is to uphold the name of the deceased by having a child, but it doesn't cease once there's a child, right? Once uh, Yavam does Yibum, then they are fully married. Um, until they, uh, if, if, if they should uh, decide to get divorced. Um, and how do we know that? Because the word lo yasaf sounds like it means that they, they stopped. Well, no, it could also mean to not cease, as it says also regarding um, the, uh, the, 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 the voice that came forth at Har Sinai. It says a great voice, and it was no more. So you can read that also as it was no more. But even there, it's ambiguous. It could also mean that it did not stop. It did not cease. And so to hear that they did not cease being together, they remained married. Now, on the last person on that list was Avshalom, who was proud of his hair. Avshalom rebelled because of his hair, and he was so confident everybody loved him uh, because of his beauty, including his hair. And he would shave at the end of every year uh, because the, the, this hair was, to, was such a burden upon him. And his hair, they would be weighed out at 200 shekel um, by the king's stone. The king's stone, a weighing stone, which was, because it's the king's, it was very big. And so you see that his hair would be sold on auction um, and uh, would go for a lot of money. That's how beautiful it was. Tana Evan, She'anshe Tiberi, Avanshe Sipodi, Shoklim Ba, and Evan Amelech is the same uh, weighing stone that's used in these big cities, uh, Tiberi, Sipodi, which was bigger than normal stones. And so he was caught by his hair when he was riding upon his mule and the mule went under a thick bow. And his head was caught, uh, his head caught hold of that, of a, uh, of a branch of the tree. And he was taken up and hanging between heaven and earth. And the mule that was under him kept going. And he was just there hanging by his hair. So he's had an idea. He says, I know. Absalom said, I'll take my sword and I'll cut my hair. And that, all, that way I'll drop to the floor. 
Um, because if he stays there, he's going to be in big trouble. The enemies are going to come. Tana Ishmael But at that moment when he was about to do that, he looked down and he saw Sheol open up before him, that he's going to fall not to the ground, but all the way down to Sheol. So he became fearful. This is a safsira, a Persian uh, sword. And so he did not cut himself down, and um, and so that's why he remained there. So after Avshalom was killed, um, his father, David, uh, even though Avshalom was trying to uh, usurp the power still, David lost his son, and he was wailing and crying, and he said, right, my son, Absalom, my son, I wish that I would die in your place. And later on it says, and the king covered his face and cried more, Avshalom, beni, beni. So you see, it says this, the word beni eight times. beni, lama? Why eight times? Shiva de Aseke, Mishiva Medore Gehinam, Vida Hikadamre de Kareb, Reshel Gabe Gufe, Hikadamre Daite, Le Alma de Ate. So seven of the, of these, uh, Bane, uh, is to teach that he was raised up from seven, uh, levels of Gehinam. And the last one, some say that his head was brought close to his body. Well, since his head was um, uh, uh, severed, so now it was brought close, and others say that he was brought to the world to come. Avshalom lakach vayaseb lo bechayav. Avshalom, in his lifetime, uh, says that he took, we see what that word took, and he made for himself a pillar, a monument in the king's valley, because he says, I have no son for my, remem- for my remembrance, so he made a monument uh, for himself, the Pasuk says. My lakach, what does it mean, lakach? that he took for himself a bad deal um, because he got what was coming to him and this was actually all a plan from beforehand. So does not mean what literally the valley of the king where there was maybe a lot of monuments and he put something there but rather this is talking about ha-melech Makadosh um, Baruch and Emek is a reference to something deep. So this was a deep, long-term strategy um, that was set up by Hakadosh Baruch Hu, that this should come about, that he should die without children. Um, okay, so this um, this was a prophecy that was going to be a sin um, back when uh, David um, sinned, um, and Hashem said as a, as a punishment, there's going to be evil that's going to come up from your own house, um, Hashem tells David. So what is that? This is your own house, that's Avshalom, who is going to try to rebel, and he's, he's going to be killed. And so all of Shalom's whole thing that he thought he's being great and doing a great idea that he's going to come over, come and take over and be king instead of his father. Um, actually, this was all a plan so that he would fail and that failure and his death itself would be a punishment for what David had done beforehand. Very interesting midrash. 
that we, it's, it's a similar th- plan. When Yaakov sent Yosef to go see what his brothers are doing, it says he sent him from the valley of Hebron. Well, why does it matter where he sent it from? And here too, Amik means a deep counsel, a strategy. Um, uh, of, of whom, in this, this case, not, uh, uh, of Hebron is referenced to Avraham, who uh, was in Hebron, who was buried in Hebron. Because to Avraham, Hashem had said in Brit ben Avetarim, know that your uh, uh, descendants are going to, be a, um, uh, uh, are going to be strangers in a land that's not theirs, uh, meaning they're going to be going to Egypt for 400 years. Now, how is that going to come about? Well, we need this to come about in a, in a strategic way. And so when Yaakov told Yosef, go and meet your fathers, this was all, unbeknownst to him, a fulfillment of this divine promise to Avraham, who was mentioned here as Hebron, so that they, were, they would sell him, he would go to Egypt, they would be a famine, they would follow him, and they would stay in Egypt, and this, the uh, promise to Avraham, would be fulfilled. So here yet another example, right? We saw a few on this stuff where people are acting and they think they're acting of free will, but actually this is all part of a divine plan. And um, in uh, most of these cases, they're actually doing something uh, wrong. But turns out that this wrong thing was something that was necessary to have been done. Ki amad en li ben. Lav Shalom said, I have to make this pillar because I have no son. What do you mean he had no son? He had three sons and one daughter. No, it means that he didn't have a child that was uh, befitting to be a king. So he had no future as a, in his dynasty. And why did he not have children that would succeed him? Um, because we learned that anyone who burns the, uh, the um, grain of his neighbor's field will not have a son that will inherit him. It's a midah keneged midah, right? Because he uh, um, uh, destroys the produce of someone else, so his produce will be destroyed in the form of his children. And where do we see that um, Avshalom did that? Uh, well, when he wanted to get Yoav's attention, um, uh, so he did it by sending his um, his people to go and burn the barley of Yoav's field. Um, and so Avshalom sent his, sent his servants to do that. So, um, well, it did get his attention, but um, it was a bad thing to do. And because of that, Avshalom had this punishment that although, yes, he did have children, but he did not have children that would be worthy to inherit him. Baruch Adonai le'olam, amen ve'amen.